Thank you for listening to the sermons here at Ascension Lutheran Church. Our worship services happen on Sunday mornings. 8.30 is our traditional worship service, and 10.30 is our contemporary worship service. We'd love to see you on a Sunday morning. You can visit us also on our website at www.alcrpv.org. We hope you enjoy the sermon. Let us pray together. Heavenly Father, we give you thanks that you are a God who gives us the source of everything that we need, that we have the privilege of abiding in you, and that you make it known that that you are our joy, our life, our love. Lord, as we have journeyed through the Gospel of John, we give you thanks that you come to us through your word. And so, Lord, as we spend this time in the Gospel of John, we ask that you reveal to us what we need to learn. Lord, so many of us are um, trapped in our way of thinking, and we need you to break our brains, break our minds, break our eyes out, chisel out eyes and ears out of our granite heads. Let us be known for abiding in you. To your holy name we pray. Amen. Amen. If you can grab your Bible um, that you brought or your pew Bible or your phone, we would love for you to be able to follow along um, with us. Um, Ed, would you mind turning the lights up so that people can um, have the opportunity to write in your Bibles? You will notice, oh, hello. Um, You will notice that my Bible just has all sorts of, of scribbles and writing and underlining. And the reason that is so is that I love to be able to come back later and look at something and realize, oh, this is what I was thinking then, or I've never put those two together. And so you have a note so you know where the things are and how they work together. Did I, did, I got the bad one, didn't I? Oh, man. Watch my um, music stand fall. It'll be the game for the sermon today. Um, and so I encourage you to take your Bible, to write in it, to find a spot where you can um, jot down your thoughts and your um, remembrances so you can look back at what we've done. So what have we done? Well, this summer, we have gone through the Gospel of John. We have not hit every verse because um, that would take us a long, long time. Instead, we have looked at the seven signs and wonders and the seven I am statements in the Gospel of John. So we've looked at the times where Jesus has made his authority known by doing his signs and wonders, while also teaching on who he is by proclaiming I am Yahweh, I am the living God. I am the word of God. I am the um, light of the world. Thank you. I am the music stand who stays up sturdy. This is great. This is like service here. Awesome. Thank you. And the I am statements have this ego a me, right? I myself am. Referring back to the burning bush. And here we are at the last of these statements. Jesus, the true vine, chapter 15. Now, before we begin, John 15, I want you to notice the context. If you go up one verse, 1431, but I do as the Father has commanded me so that the world may know that I love the Father. Rise, let us be on our way. They've been in this upper room. They've taken the upper room and Jesus has washed their feet in the upper room. 
He's taught them in the upper room. Um, John does not have a Lord's Supper. Instead, he has Jesus washing the feet of the disciples, which if you come on Monday, Thursday, you'll hear more about how important I think that is. And so he has him serving these people and then telling us to go out and serve. Now he starts moving. Rise, let us be on our way. And as he's walking, he's teaching. Interesting, because when you think about this, this illustration, I am the vine, this would be everywhere. An agricultural society is where Jesus and his disciples lived. The way they survived, growing things, raising animals, um, using the ground, using the land. And so Jesus, as he's walking, could be very well walking by and seeing a vineyard and says, I am the vine. Another interesting thing that I found in my research this last week that I I did not know before was on the second temple. So the temple that Jesus was around was not the one Solomon built. That one got destroyed. The second temple was brought up later, and um, it said the old men weeped when they saw the second temple because it was so much uglier than the first temple was. But what they said is that this temple had an image of a gold vine on it. And so there was this vine image on the temple as well. Now, was Jesus referring to that vine when he was walking by? Was he referring to the vines that were in the ground? The important part is, is that the vine imagery would be so comfortable with his listeners, right? Um, If I were to say, um, you know, it's like driving your car um, home. Well, everyone in Los Angeles is a driver, Right? You know what that means. Um, it's a comfortable image where Jesus is looking at and pointing to a vine. So Jesus looks, I am the true vine, and my Father is the vine grower. Now, point out, and, and we'll do this right now, if you have your Bible, underline 15.1, I am the true vine, and my Father is the vine grower, also, underline 15.5, I am the vine, you are the branches. Why are those both important? Because really, there's a three-step process going on here, right? We have, I am the true vine, and my father is the vine grower. So Jesus pointing to himself, I'm the vine, my father is the tender of the garden, keeping the vine healthy. Out of the vine then, vine grows, off the vine come branches, off the branches comes fruit. Jesus says in 15.5, I am the vine and you are the branches. How is fruit produced from the vine? It takes all three things. It takes the vine grower, the gardener, It takes the vine, and it takes the branches. They all work together to produce fruit. So Jesus, in this wonderfully brilliant way, ties all of this together. I'm the vine. Jesus says, I am the vine. I'm the one who brings life and who is weaving himself through this world. Who has prepared the way? Who has made the soil? Who tends and gives nutrients to this? My father, the vine grower, gives the vine the ability to do that. I and the father are one. We've seen Jesus say that already in the Gospel of John. Now, who are you? 
You are coming off the vine. You are the branches that come off of this vine. And the reason that you can produce fruit is because you're tied into the vine and the vine is tended by the gardener, right? This is why any good work that we do, all glory goes back to God. All glory goes back to what God has done in us. There was a, a man in um, Christ the King in Birmingham, and he was from Louisiana. And so he had everything a Louisiana man has, that thick Louisiana accent and the big Louisiana belly from eating a lot of Cajun food. And just a um, great guy. But he, when he would raise his hands in worship, he would always raise his hands like this. And got to asking, why, you know, why are you doing this? And his reason was, it was a reminder that everything flows from God through him out to others. And so his body position in worship was for him a way of saying, I'm not the source of this. God's spirit coming down, the vine, the nutrients, the growth, all coming down through me. And with what purpose? To serve you. To serve others. To produce fruit. I thought that was really a beautiful reminder of, of what we do as Christians. That God is the source God is the one who's tilling the ground. God's the one who's making the way. Jesus Christ is this vine that gives us, and he's just taught, taught on this, he gives us the Holy Spirit. He gives us the Holy Spirit to fill us up so that then I can pour out to others. The Romans 12 verse that Allegra read for us. Boy, that's an overwhelming list. I mean, you start reading down and you go, whoa, I mean, the one that always sits with me, as far as you are able, live at peace with everyone. Whew, that's a heavy one to try to do. How is that possible? God is the gardener. Jesus Christ is the vine. You are the branches. This is possible because the source of your works is not you. It's the power of the Holy Spirit flowing through you to others. And this is what we do here. So Jesus, I am the true vine and the father is the vine grower. He removes every branch in me that bears no fruit. Every branch that bears fruit, he prunes to make it bear more fruit. Now, pruning of things, um, Again, an illustration that they would be familiar with. You go through and you prune your garden and you take down the things because you want to focus the nutrients into the right places. You don't want it to waste energy growing leaves on something that is never going to produce fruit. So you take it and a good pruner will prune them down. You know, when you see trees, they look darn near dead. You prune them way back, but then they burst forth with life. Why? Because the nutrients are flowing in the right places. The, the hard part about reading this verse is, well, who's being pruned? What's being pruned? This is a place, again, where we trust in God 
to be the judge and do it correctly. We trust that God prunes the life of Scott, prunes off the parts that are not needed, so that through me and through my actions, God's life and love can be magnified. We can spend a lot of time wondering who, what, where pruning happens. My encouragement for you is to understand that God is good, that God is for you, and that God is the judge. And trust him in that. We very often want to start to become the judge, but that's not what we see in the Gospel of John. Just, you know, uh, an hour ago, we were reading in our study in John about the woman caught in adultery, and Jesus looks at her and says, anyone condemned you? She says, sir, no one. He says, and neither do I condemn you. So go and sin no more. The first word is what? A word of grace, a word of forgiveness, a word of God's love, a word of God's peace coming to his people. Abide in me as I abide in you. Just as the branch cannot bear fruit by itself unless it abides in the vine, neither can you unless you abide in me. Where does the source of what you do come from? The love of God. Abiding in him. We have the privilege of knowing that God wants to work through us. The branches produce fruit. Why? Because they are rooted in the vine. And from there, the fruit comes. This is the brilliant illustration that Jesus has when you go through Scripture and you look. And so often we have this. And in the New Testament, this illustration of a vine or of a plant or growing happens a lot. And I want to point out to you some of these. Here we have in, um, oh, need a black background, um, in Philippians chapter 1, to help you determine what is best. So in the day of Christ, you may be pure and blameless, having produced the harvest of righteousness that comes through Jesus Christ for the glory and praise of God. Ephesians chapter 5, verses 8 through 9. For once you were darkness, but now in the Lord you are light. Live as children of the light. For the fruit of the light is found in all that is good and right and true. Colossians chapter 1 so that you may lead lives worthy of the Lord, fully pleasing to him, as you bear fruit in every good work and as you grow in the knowledge of God. Hebrews chapter 12, verse 11. Now discipline always seems painful rather than pleasant at the time, but later it yields the peaceful fruit of righteousness to those who have been trained by it. Our lives producing fruit is in our rootedness in Christ. And Christ produces fruit in us. We are about to move into a year of looking at the fruits of the Spirit. Townsend and Marco and I got together and thinking and praying and talking about what do we want to look at this year. And the Galatians verse where he talks about the fruits of the Spirit is where we're going to spend our school year. 
We're going to look at the different fruits of the Spirit, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness. And we're going to take a month, and we're going to just enjoy the stories around um, that word. We're going to see the people who exemplify that word, how Christ does and uses that word in his ministry. So we're going to spend time just enjoying the fruits of the Spirit this year from Galatians chapter 5. By contrast, the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, generosity, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. There is no law against such things. And those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. So our year is going to be spent enjoying those words. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, self-control. Now, I want you to keep a thought in the front of your mind. And I love that we're ending John in this I am statement. I am the vine. And we're moving right into these fruits of the spirit. Because we have a tendency to when we... Goodness. Sorry, guys. I'm going to put this in my pocket. Okay. I guess these pants have more of a cut pocket than the other pants I wear. Um, we have a tendency when they go to love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, gentleness. We have a tendency to do this with the fruits of the Spirit. Okay, we're going to talk about love. So I am going to work really hard on being loving. How can I increase my love? How can I increase my joy? The pastor is going to tell me how to increase joy. If I do these behaviors, my joy will increase and I will become the joyest of joyful joyers everywhere, ever. And that will exhaust you for the school year. You'll be like, not going back, waiting, because this is too hard to try to be really, really joyful all the time. This, to me, is what we have a tendency to do. And this is the illustration I want you to keep in mind. When a farmer sees a tree, and they have, in northern Michigan, the newsletter article I wrote, there's cherry trees or apple trees. And a farmer notices that the fruit that is being produced by the tree is not good. Does the cherry farmer take the individual cherry, buy cherry-colored spray paint, get a syringe of high-fructose corn syrup, shoot the fructose corn syrup into the cherry, spray paint the cherry, cherry red, buff it up, and then sell it in the market? No, right? No farmer would do that. But yet, all of us sit here and go, mm, I'm going to try really hard to be more loving, more joyful, more peaceful, more patient, more kind, more generous, right? Ugh, I'm going to work really hard on that. And all you're doing is taking high fructose corn syrup, shoving it into a cherry, and spray painting a cherry red. And it's exhausting. And when that message comes at you, reject that message. How does the farmer get healthy fruit? helps the tree, prunes the tree, takes time to fertilize the tree. The tree, the vine, gets healthy, healthy fruit comes from it. What's the source of all of these things? The Spirit. The Spirit in the vine produces love. The spirit in the vine produces joy, peace, patience. Abiding, as Jesus says in John 5, 15, 
Abiding in the vine produces love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, self-control. It's not about focusing on the fruit, but focusing on the abiding in God and resting in who God is and what he has done for you. Out of that comes joy. Out of that comes peace. It's so easy to try to fix the fruit because that's where we see the results. But what we need to spend time with is just abiding in God. And he wants to produce fruit in us. He wants to give us himself, give us life, give us love, give us encouragement, give us joy, peace, patience, kindness, generosity, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. It's out of his spirit flowing in us. So this, this school year, as we go through what it looks like, what the fruit looks like of the abiding in God, allow your mind to continue to wander back to what does it mean to have my branch attached to the vine? What does it mean for the gardener to take care of the soil around the vine and Christ in me and for me to attach to the branch? And in that, what a great word, but abide. See, Christ welcomes us, and and Townsend was praying for us that we get to just be welcomed to abide in him. When, When we have a guest to our house and they come into our home, I think the word that we would use would be come on in and rest. Come on in and abide in my house. The fridge is open. The couch is available. Watch what you want to watch. Rest here. And that's what happens when we're a person who abides. There's a little plaque in my family's cottage in northern Michigan, and it's in the bathroom, and it is beat up because it's been there for since 1964. And I've seen it for years and years and years And this is what it says, and this is what I think God says to us today as we begin to look at these things. It says, guest, you are welcome here. Be at your ease. Get up when you're ready. Go to bed when you please. Happy to share with you such as we got, the leeks in the roof and the soup in the pot. You don't have to thank us or laugh at our jokes. Just sit deep and come often. You're one of the folks. That's resting, abiding. Just sit deep and come often. You're one of the folks. Out of that comes fruit. Heavenly Father, we are grateful that you tell us in the Gospel of John to sit deep and to come often. You don't reject us when we come. You don't look to us and call us out and remind us of all the reasons we shouldn't be there. We do that boy, do we have a list. We, tell, we remind ourselves of the ways that we have 
failed, the things that we've done wrong. But Lord, you tell us again and again, just sit deep and to come often. So Lord, we're asking now, we're asking that you make that true in our lives so that we can abide, we can rest, and we can understand that all glory goes back to you. Help us in this room right now. Help those 80 of us that are gathered right now to rest in you, to sit deep and to come often, to know that you welcome us, and out of welcoming us comes fruit, comes love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, and self-control. Lord, let us enjoy that truth that we can sit deep and we can come often.